Just in breaking news. No more bullshit. No more bullshit. No bullshit. Violent intent posted online. Violent drawings in the classroom. School officials met with the apparent Oxford High School gunman and his parents the morning of the mass murders, but did not inform school officials he had access to a semi-automatic pistol. And the school, despite the drawings, let the boy go back to class. And yet, school kids had the sense to stay at home that day, knowing something was brewing in the school. That's the why here in Michigan. Why did a 15-year-old have access to his father's pistol and ammunition? Why did the adult not tell the school officials? Why did the school officials allow the boy to prey on the student body? Adults failed. As a father, I'm broken for you. I got my child goes to Oakland County Schools. I got the alert. I thought it was my child's school. You're my neighbor. You're my countryman. You're my fellow human. I'm so sorry for you. To help make sense of what all this means is probably, in my mind, the nation's foremost expert on this, the former chief of Detroit police and the former chief of the Detroit Public School Police Department, Ralph Gobby. Thanks for being here, Ralph. Charlie, I hate to see you under these circumstances, and it's always good to see you, but this is uh, it's an unspeakable tragedy, and it, it shouldn't have happened. We will get to, look, I know parents in Oxford, all of us want to know how you interpret this. You, you are the nation's expert. Always with us is Karen. And Mark, if you can give us the background, the details of the news today, please, because I can't. Yeah, I, a lot of questions, a few answers today. Oakland County Prosecutor Karen McDonald had a press conference and, and pretty much laid out from uh, the parents' perspective what happened and why she's charging both parents uh, with involuntary manslaughter, four counts for each death. Um, but basically, Black Friday, the father goes with Ethan Crumbly to a gun store, purchases the gun, the six hour nine millimeter. Uh, the next day, the mother has a social media post that says, here's his Christmas present. He just got it that Saturday. Um, so they were aware. I mean, they make no bones about it. It's his gun, right? He's posting it online. He's posting it online, talking about it. Um, then you come to Monday at school and that's where they find the drawing. Now you have the school involved. Mon Monday, a teacher sees this kid surfing for ammunition. Yes. Yeah, sends online. him to the office. Mm -hmm. And the they, parents are informed. The parents are informed. And the mom then sends a text to Ethan saying, next LOL. Time, next time you got to learn how to not get caught. And then Tuesday, knowing this now, Tuesday, 
Tuesday leads to the picture, and here is. Do you want me to play Karen McDonald now? Uh, yeah, uh, Oakland County Prosecutor Karen McDonald announcing charges against uh, James and Jennifer Crumbly um, for their, their role in the in the mass slaughter. On November 21st, 21, a teacher at the Oxford High School observed Ethan Crumbly searching ammunition on his cell phone during class and reported the same to school officials. Jennifer Crumbly was contacted via voicemail by school personnel regarding that son's inappropriate internet search. School personnel indicate they followed that voicemail up with an email but received no response from either parent. Thereafter, Jennifer Crumbly exchanged text messages about the incident with her son on that day, stating, quote, LOL, I'm not mad at you. You have to learn not to get caught, end quote. On November 30th, 21, the morning of the shooting, the next day, Ethan Crumbly's teacher came upon a note on Ethan's desk, which alarmed her to the point that she took a picture of it on her cell phone. The note contained the following. A drawing of a semi-automatic handgun pointing at the words, quote, the thoughts won't stop, help me, end quote. In another section of the note was a drawing of a bullet with the following words above that bullet, quote, blood everywhere, end quote. Between the drawing of the gun and the bullet is a drawing of a person who appears to have been shot twice and bleeding. Below that figure is a drawing of a laughing emoji. Further down the drawing are the words, quote, my life is useless, end quote. And to the night right of that are the words, quote, the world is dead, end quote. As a result, James and Jennifer Crumbly were immediately summoned to the school. A school counselor came to the classroom and removed the shooter and brought him to the office with his backpack. Counselor obtained the drawing, but the shooter had already altered it. The drawings of the gun and the bloody figure were scratched out along with the words, help me and my life is useless. The world is dead and blood everywhere. Those were all um, altered by him. As the meeting, at the meeting, James and Jennifer Crumbly were shown the drawing and were advised that they were required to get the sh their son into counseling within 48 hours. Both James and Jennifer Crumbly failed to ask their son if he had his gun with him or where his gun was located and failed to inspect his backpack for the presence of the gun, which he had with him. James and Jennifer Crumbly resisted the idea of then leaving the school at that time, of, of their son leaving the school at that time. Instead, James and Jennifer Crumbly left the high school without their son. He was returned to the classroom. Ralph? I give the uh, prosecutor a lot of credit, um, Charlie. I think she very articulately drew the lines that, uh, for the charge of involuntary manslaughter for both of those parents. But there's something, that, there's some nuance here uh, that is missing. And the school administration, uh, to me, uh, and even though you may not be able to come to a criminal conclusion, uh, there is a hell of a lot of civil liability that when you start to pull this apart, you look at what's called the climate and culture of the school, the number of kids, and this is where I, I think uh, people have to ask the right questions, the number of kids that chose to stay home that day that knew that something was going to go down and the administration was that far removed absent the teacher that identified Ethan and what was going on. And then uh, the part that at the end of the press conference, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about this as well, 
when they and there was a very astute question asked um, about the school's role and if that kid should have been gone back to class. And it's an unequivocal no. We'll stop you there. Let's, unequivocal no. We'll get to that, but let's go to the parents' culpability yeah. and these charges. You're a cop, longtime cop. You know the law like nobody else. You know the sc- big school corridors yeah. like nobody else. In Michigan, if I'm if I'm not mistaken... It is not illegal to not lock up your firearms in your own home. Yes. It is not illegal for a 15-year-old to be able to carry that weapon, fire that weapon under the supervision of his parent, correct? Right. In an approved um, shooting environment like a you know hunting or if you're at an uh, authorized gun range, uh, that child can't handle that weapon. But you're, and that's something you point out is very true. There is no duty to secure the weapon. Uh, that's a fatal flaw um, in the law. But I think the prosecutor did a good job of showing the, 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 the sheer negligence and the foreseeability the parents should have had. Um, LOL. You know, I mean, like, my goodness. You know, how, do, how, how does a parent of any responsibility uh, tell your child, Related to searching for ammunition for a nine millimeter or whatever millimeter six R, and your response is, "LOL, next time don't get caught." And then the very next time you have to deal with your child is at the fact that he's murdered four people. There's seven people that are shot, uh, some that are still hospitalized, and not to mention the thousands that are traumatized in that community that. Now you have a spinoff of close to 100 schools that have closed because of copycats. Uh, so that LOL that this woman so callously put out there uh, has affected the lives. I mean, Charlie, your child is, a, is an Oakland County student. Uh, there's no child that's not touched in the country. This is national news. My child went to school the next day because it was one of the few yeah. school districts in the county that was open. And only at the only about a third of the kids showed up. My child is brave, right? And she won't give into this. Yeah. But as I'm waiting there, the the phone rings from the school district. I'm like, oh fuck, what's going on? Yeah. And it's a recorded message saying, you know, due to caution, mm-hmm. we're going to cancel school tomorrow. And I'm like, what? Yeah. The fuck, Karen? Yes. You're a gun owner. I'm a gun owner. I don't want to get this political, but it's got to be asked, and I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. Do you think, I, I, I know gun owners. I am one. You know, you won't take my weapons from me. Do, but do you think it's time to close that little loophole? If there's children in the house, you got to secure these weapons. Well, two things. Yes, I think that under a certain age, they should be secured. But at a certain age, they should also be educated. Um, you know, when my kids were younger, I, I took them to the range. I taught them how to handle a weapon so that they were not intrigued by it. They weren't going to sneak and see what it was about. They knew that it was a weapon, that it was a, not a toy, that it was dangerous. And that's part of it. You know, I mean, if you're going to have a weapon in the house, it has to be secured or the people around have to understand what it is, what it's used for um, and, and, and take that, you know, mystique out of it. I think it's so both, don't speaking. you? I mean, I'm look, sorry? Uh, I, I think it's both like the training yeah. and the storing of it. Look, I, I, a lot of people talk to 
to me on the street, you know, and it's like, I don't always agree with what you say. So I'm not trying to fire up some, some debate, Ralph and Karen. Right, Mark. Right. What, what and that's I'm, okay. What I'm saying is I am a responsible gun owner. Most gun owners I know believe mm -hmm. this. The government can't come in your house and look anyway. I think this law is something we can easily do. It's on the books. Yes. And if something like this goes on again, then absolutely for sure, these parents are going to see time. Right now, I don't know if these charges stick, but I admire the prosecutor for taking a stand. Absolutely callous. Ralph, your thoughts on that? How many lives are lost in the city, in the high schools of the suburbs, in the country from kids getting access to guns that they shouldn't be having their hands on? Hey, Charlie, I think we talked about this off air. Uh, the ATF, they keep track of what's called source guns and where they come from relative to uh, guns they're using crimes. So securing your weapon goes even beyond just your immediate household. I think one of the leading sources of crime guns are guns that are taken in B&Es of homes. So that's another aspect of it. And then there's something even deeper, Charlie, that we need to delve into. I mean, think about, you know, I'm holding this damn Apple iPhone, and nobody can use my phone but me, and it's based on biometrics. Yet we've had guns around for centuries, and we have not advanced the technology enough to put a damn smart chip in the gun to where only certain people can utilize it. You know, we got to have a, a, a much more creative conversation. This is not a, a issue. I, I, I support the Second Amendment. I, I'm a gun owner. I have multiple guns. But responsible gun ownership and saving lives, I mean, when did that become political? I mean, that's a moral obligation that we have. And, you know, how many, I mean, damn, yes, yeah, I don't, Sandy Hook, Columbine. I, a legal every, gun, legal gun. Legal gun. Legal gun. Every time we have this conversation and everybody starts, you know, posturing and talking about what needs to be done and how responsible we should be and how irresponsible we are as a country and as a community. And 30 days from now, we will fall comfortably right back into sure our, 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 our space of negligence yeah, until it happens again. That's exactly my feeling when I got that text on Tuesday, it you never think it's coming home. Yeah. It's a TV show. It came home. Yes. Can I ask you a question about that? Unrelated to guns. You're a parent. She's a high schooler. Your school says, your daughter might need some counseling. Here's this letter. Do you bring her home? Do you maybe talk to her right then and there? Or do you let her go back to class? Day one, when you're, when look, when you're surfing ammo. We, we got, yeah. I'm going to get you. We're going to talk. And we know one, we know they know more about his mental state. Th then you mean that picture with yeah. a gun and blood? Oh, yes. I mean, that there's the negligence. I, I love her me. too. I love her too much to let her be hurting. Like Absolutely. That. When yes. I hear her say that, I'm like, well, there's your negligence right there. You're just letting him go on with his life when he, I think but it's parents, okay. A lot of parents don't want to admit that their kids are imperfect sure. or that they need help. Or that what they're doing is somehow wrong. I, just, I mean, they just, it's very difficult. I mean, because they see it as an extension or a reflection of them. But none of us are perfect. Our kids just, aren't perfect. And the world hits them and impacts them in that way. So we need to be responsible for or responsive to. I don't want my baby to hurt in life. Right. That's the only thing I'm really yeah. concerned about. You know, And, and I don't want my babies hurt. Right. To cost you the life of your baby. Like, that's that's that as a parent, that has to be the worst 
of all scenarios that you can think of. No, um, no, 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 no. You know, if this gotta, is true, what the prosecutor says, like, I have no pity for those parents. Oh, no, absolutely no, not. Uh -uh. Absolutely not. Worst feeling in the world, please. Let's do this. Now let's go. I'm sorry. I'm just because I'll lose it and it, it's inappropriate. The school knew. I'm sorry. School knew. It's adults. I'm not. Don't assess blame. It's to let us grieve. No, now it's outrage. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's hear what the prosecutor says about the school knowing for two days this kid was losing the lightning, so to speak. And this, uh, we believe, is from Ross Jones. This question. Yeah, Ross Jones, WXYZ. Ross, Ross, one of the, one of the, how one of the tough ones. Love to go back to class, given the circumstances you've described, the severity you're talking about, and you mentioned it's still under investigation, and they're victims too. I'm not trying to assess blame, but yet they let him back in class with this type of severity. How does that happen? I'm not going to give you a political answer, and I'm not going to cover for anybody, and I'm just going to say what I think, and that is, of course he shouldn't have gone back to that classroom. Of course he shouldn't have. And, and I, I don't have um, ill feelings or negative feelings about any, anyone, and I, I, but of course he should have. He should not have been allowed to go back to that class. And I believe that that is a universal um, position and and I'm not gonna chastise or or attack but yeah I mean it but you have the task of reviewing whether there's criminal negligence there I do and then the, the investigation is ongoing so she's basically saying we're not done with this investigation in regards to the school. They shouldn't have been allowed back in Ralph. You were the chief of police of Detroit Public Schools. How how did and how would you handle this? Well, first of all, she's absolutely right. There's no scenario where that kid should have been allowed to go back to class. Um, what I would have done, and DPS was fortunate, the DPSCD is fortunate, they have their own police department. But you call a police uh, police officer in, they can commit that child for 72 hours for observation, for psychological observation. Immediately? Immediately. Wow. And sign a petition. The officers can do that. Uh, so there was a remedy, and that's where the school is really going to find they got they they've got a lot to answer for the administration, and and things like this don't happen in a vacuum, Charlie. Um, you're talking about weeks of speculation, and uh, it was a deer head. Yeah, let me illuminate that. Yeah, there, there was a, a cloud of darkness over this high school for a few weeks a couple weeks prior uh, it was a prank it turns out you may have heard of it a deer head found in the courtyard the sheriff wants to tell you it's unrelated but it's all related when you're in a mammoth high school it's, it's related um uh, a dead bird found in a jar of urine in the mm -hmm. boys bathroom freak people out yeah uh another kid posting dark stuff online unrelated of course there's no reason to think anything was up but you being a chief of police of a school district, would you have thought something's up here? Oh, absolutely. And and so, for instance, uh, I had an embedded officer that uh, was undercover on social media. So we what? knew I had an I had an undercover officer that was embedded in social media under a, a, a pseudonym. It's pretty smart. And so we were able to know in real time what was going on in the schools. Um, we worked very closely with Detroit Police Department, uh, with their intelligence group, and we had a pulse on what was going on in those schools. Pulse right there. 
so you gotta you gotta know what's going on in, in that, the that's school. Un, that's that's so to. unbelievably simple. Like yep. what what can we do yeah. without you know taking people's guns and right. and starting this whole debate again? What are the things that we have at our disposal? Which is it's not an invasion of privacy to be on social media. It's the kids posting publicly. It's publicly. And Charlie, I can't tell you the number of times we intervened and went to a parent's house the night before when the threat immediately hit the internet. We would have officers at that house to start asking questions. If it was a legitimate threat, we stopped it. If it was not a legitimate threat, we were able to apprise the parents, apprise the school, and let the child know what the ramifications were. So there are, but this, this is something that I think we have to stop uh, doing school security in a vacuum of urban versus rural versus affluent. Kids are kids. Yes. And they're all under the same pressures. So rather that deer head, that dead bird directly has something to do with that kid or not, it goes to the culture and climate of that school. And, and that administration, they fell asleep at the wheel. I, I, I can't say it any different than that. And I think we need to say this. Oxford, we love you. It's, yes. not, it's not a judgment. Not at you. all. Not at all. We... we Charlie, we don't you. live in it. We don't live in a vacuum. I, I don't want it to happen in here. We're trying to find some some real concrete solutions. Karen, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. And I apologize. Two things. When we keep saying, you know, should he have gone back to the classroom, and we're saying no. Fuck no. But you also, and I agree with that. But you don't take him home and continue to allow him to wallow in whatever his issues are. He would have to go home and have some type of intervention or help or responsiveness to the things that he has, you know, done as a red flag. The other side of the social media thing is not just in terms of a threat. You know, Ralph talked about he and his team, but you also see red flags for kids that are reaching out for help yes. and respond to yes. that as well. We tend to overlook things, you know, that are small messages or calls for attention or help mm -hmm. or intervention. And, you know, Charlie, we said earlier, you said, what can we do? I said, we can stop pretending that we care and start caring. Yeah. We have things in place. Like Make what? sure that they're there and that we're enforcing those like what? Accordingly. Like Charlie, no, no. Like what's concrete now? That's like fine. What? Just like what? Just like what? What? Um, what Ralph said. You know, we need. If they don't have someone paying attention to social media, they should. You get shut down for talking about anti-vaxxing, yes. but you've got all this violent stuff online that nobody pays attention to. If you have a teacher that sees something and the parents don't intervene, she should know what her other options are. Is it calling the police? Is there another line of intervention? And as you, you said, as you said earlier, we always talk about it. We never get it. And my wife works in the schools as a psychologist. We're talking about mental health. They, the teachers made all the right moves. Yeah, they did. They did. Both they, of them. Those but teachers then, made the what? right moves. But then what, Charlie? Well, exactly, so, Karen. That's, that's what you're saying. That's what yes. you were, when you said mental, like get the kid to a counselor, then bring the parents in and convince them. Charlie, and this is nothing new. When my daughter was in grade school, there was a young man who drew a picture of having shot her and she was falling off a cliff and, and she was saying, yeah, but I'm rich. This kid had some issues, brought everybody in. Parents were just passive about it. Like it's no big deal. 
this kid had some issues. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of it, too, is that people don't know how to respond. How do I respond when my child is showing that they have some, you know, psycho issues or, um, you know, violent or criminal? What do I do? So maybe those are conversations that that should be had with parents and PTAs more so than just about their attendance and and their grades. But as long as we have a push to keep kids in school for headcount for dollars, then we will overlook those things and to, to do what we have to do to keep them in there. Well, you certainly err on the ultimate side of safety. And Ralph, I wanted to ask you, could they have searched his bag? Do you find it surprising that the school officials had no search of his bag? Because the gun was in the bag. I'm surprised that they didn't. Um, he has an expectation of privacy. Um, so that's a tricky piece. But the, this is the thing. Teachers are not cops. So if they had of, you're not talking about a cop violating somebody's constitutional rights. I think there was a reasonable articulation why they should have searched his bag. Or if not, now this is another question. They said there's a school resource officer yeah. there. Was he in the conference? Because if he was in the conference, then I would have had him. Because he would have had reasonable suspicion to search that bag and search that child. Look at that. So, again, there, were, there, there are a lot of questions that need to be answered. There are a lot of balls to be dropped. And also, to your point, Karen, um, I, I think you make a very astute point because – that could have very well not been a homicidal child, but it could have been suicidal. So, mm-hmm. it, so in either instance, an intervention was was should have been recognized and responded to, Boom. and and it was not. So, to me, that's where I find fault with the administration. So, we need to go there. Next one, Ralph. Um, remember when we were kids back in the eighties? Urban high school had rashes. Correct, of shootings on campus, yeah? Mm-hmm. Remember? Yes. And what they do in the 80s, remember? They put in metal detectors. Metal detectors, right. Do they work? They do. They absolutely do. Do they? Are they, are they cost? Detroit's the poorest school district in the state, and yet they have them. And, and, this, is the, well, and this is the way I, because I, I, I was asked that question yesterday in another interview with the Michigan Chronicle. Ooh. And, <laughs> yeah, hey, 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 you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm highly sought, whatever. <laughs> we, we know. <laughs> Wait till tonight. <laughs> hey, but, 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 but no, but seriously, the, the, the thing is, when you have more guns in the country than you have people, so if you're not going to control the guns, then you have to make the environments that kids go to school in pristine. Because you you can't say that it's cost prohibitive to have metal detectors, but on the other hand, you do nothing to control. Well, I think we just realized the cost. So, Ralph, yes, in the eighties, you went to high school. the The metal detectors come in. Yes, to your recollection, sir, as a Detroit public school product, Mm -hmm. as the chief of its police department, as the chief of its school police department, when's the last time, off the rip, off top of your head, I'm putting you on the spot, that you remember a homicide? On campus. The only one I can remember vividly is 1985. Uh, a football player, Murray Wright, was killed in the lunchroom. Have there been shootings on school grounds? Probably, I would say yes. In the school. Inside the school, I cannot remember. Somebody may be able to recall. I know during my two years as chief, there have been none. I know since I've left, which has been a little over a year, there have been none. I know prior to me, uh, probably for four or five years, that I know for sure, because I was chief of police and assistant chief and deputy chief, uh, there were no 
in school shootings. Is it easy to get kids in and out? Look, I mean, you know, you've been to federal court, you've been to the airport. Yeah. How long does it take to get the student body into school? Is it time prohibitive to use these things? It, it's not. No more than going to the airport. You know, and if we go, if, and let's, let's, let's be real. If we go through all of this to protect our airlines, and that's mm -hmm. commerce, that's people moving back and forth, isn't it worth that little bit of time to make sure our kids are safe? I mean, you know, so from a value proposition, um, I, I just don't see what the argument is. I just think the commitment and the will to do so is not there. And as Karen said, two or three weeks, we're on to the next thing. There's this faux outrage, this faux we're going to do something, and then we go back to doing stuff the way we've been doing it. That's the definition after of insanity. After Sandy Hook, after Sandy Hook, if that I didn't change that. it would be the turning point. I really thought out of all of the things that have happened yeah. that those kids, kindergarten, first grade, I mean, that to me was the most heart-wrenching thing. No, I mean, no child should, should, life should be lost in this manner at all. So let's but lay it out. after that, nothing. Let's lay it out then. Some, some common sense things that we can agree on. Okay. Metal detectors work. Yes. We should explore that. Two, mental health is effective and so is a protocol when you see something like this. As Ralph said, a troubled child like that, you're taking him right out and you're, you're getting him help. Get him help. That's easy stuff. This, the one that's a little bit hard, a little political, should it be required to lock your legal weapon up so the kid can't get it? Should, should it be criminal if the kid can get it and do this thing? Yes. Those are the things. Now, I mean, to me, that's prima facie evidence of negatives. Mm -hmm. uh, Ralph, um, more officers in schools. Is, is that a feasible thing? Um, I mean, I think it would generate goodwill amongst the community anyway. But my question is, how many officers for how many students, too? You know, that's, you know, the whole officer per capita, that's really a false construct. Okay. I mean, there's enough technology. Um, and I wouldn't even say that it necessarily has to be police officers in the school. Because I do have an issue with armed police officers in school. To, to a certain extent, uh, because th this is a whole different conversation. I mean, if you look at, you know, statistics about institutionalizing kids and all that, that's one, one thing. But to your point, I still think the cost prescriptive of the, of the risk reward to make sure you put reasonable measures in place, cost be damned. Yeah. You cannot put a dollar amount on the damage that has been done to that community. This is something that will affect how kids view school for the next 20 to 30 years in Oakland County. Speaking Ralph, of which, how do you feel about trained teachers? We have a, one of our listeners asking about tra uh, trained and armed teachers. Uh, and, 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 and I think they're talking in terms of firearms, but I think that's twofold, armed and trained, not only from a, a weapon standpoint, but also, also from a mental health standpoint. Well, you know, I, I just think about some of the teachers I had in school, and I, I show sure would not want them to have no damn gun. I'm just being honest. And good, so, good, but good question. It's but a I, very look, good question. I don't, don't, don't want to be, belittle it. Answer it shortly, because I, I don't sure. mean to belittle it. Yeah, but, but the thing we're is, we're going into outer space. It, it's difficult. We're for, not getting that done. It's difficult for officers under pressure to make the right when to shoot call. I wouldn't want to put that burden on teachers. Absolutely I just think that's not. Burden. As you know, thanks for the question. But again, we're trying to be what can really get done. I'm tired of the national circus of my my heart and prayers, right? Yeah. 
uh, yeah, if you if you're pro life, then what what's what about what's so pro life about that? You know, I I I can't do it anymore. That's where I sit. No, I'm I'm with you, and I'm just one of the community members. Something but that we can really can get policy, done. Policy, Charlie, that's not going to work either. We got laws on the books for all kind of stuff. That doesn't matter. It Look, doesn't. Let me People tell break you, what, laws every day. Let me tell you what matters. A friend of mine, a parent at Oxford High School, Ralph just spoke to the, the damage this has done. Can I read you a note she sent me? Please. Yeah. I'm a parent of a junior at this school. My son called me after he jumped out of a window and was running down the road with the other students. He let me though let me know that it was happening. It being the shooting he was worried about for two weeks. Just after the Deerhead incident. He had texted me two weeks ago on a Friday saying he was nervous and didn't feel safe, and I immediately picked him up. I brought him home, and his dad and I talked with him. We told him if he ever feels unsafe, we will get him. We also told him he should feel safe there. We told him his school has officers, and they take all threats seriously. We reassured him he would be okay. We were wrong. I keep replaying his call. Mom, it's happening. There's a shooter. I jumped out of a window. It's happening. I was wrong. He knows I was wrong. It kills me he knows I was wrong. I don't know what else to say, but I'm sorry. We let them down. I guess I just needed to share thanks. Wow. Not her fault. That's not her. Yeah. I mean, but as a parent, uh, I'm sure Karen, Charlie, uh, you can relate to this. We, you know, we love our kids. And just the thought of what the parents are going through that lost their kids. Uh, you know, if I, if, I, if I can say this very quickly, Charlie, people have asked me, what was more pressure, being chief of police over the city of Detroit or chief of police over Detroit public schools? And they thought, they presumed that I was being chief over Detroit. I told him it's far more pressure being chief of police over Detroit public schools because 52,000 kids are sent to school and their parents expect them to come home at the end of the day. And it's my responsibility to make sure that they came home. Let's let that hang a second. Give everybody just a second. Think about this. Okay. In keeping with this, I want to go to the next level of education. When, let's call it, what is college? It's finishing school for our children, where children become men and women, and the safety there, right? Big, always, uh, big, big game last week. Michigan destroys Ohio State, and they're going to the Big Ten Championship. It's a wonderful <laughs> feeling. It's great, right? Oh, yeah. It was just... <laughs> Did, did you see that game? Like, did you see the... the, the focus, <laughs> gentlemen, focus. <laughs> I'm, I'm moving on to the next thing, but I just, yeah. I just need green. it. Go green. Yeah, go green Thank too. Yeah. But we got, we got a problem. Sure. Maybe. And I'm going to tell you that problem. I think what I would like to do right now is bring you a word from our sponsors. I would like to do it all at once. Please listen. Give them your business. It's what keeps us going. You know, um... As always, American Coney Island, let me, let me make this tight. It is the holiday season. The supply chain is screwed up. You don't know if the cool stuff's coming. Send them just a little piece of joy, a little, little bit of Detroit. 
Go to AmericanConeyIsland.com and order the Coney kit. 12 dogs, all the fixings, Vidalia onions, the buns, the, the dogs. I think I said that right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all of it. You get a nice hat that they wear, the paper hat. Oh, you hat. do? I mean, yeah. yeah. Grace never brought those in for us. You can order T-shirts. <laughs> all of it online. Yeah. yeah. So you go to AmericanConeyIsland.com. Uh, I'm, I'm packing them this holiday season. Please give us your business. And it'll definitely get there more quickly, if not more assuredly, than your stuff sitting on the boat from China. Did you ever think of sliding like a personal note in? Like, Charlie packed this. I, th- I, th- I think I have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really? That'd be kind of fun. I don't know. We send them to guests, you know. Yeah. yeah. No, but I mean for a stranger. I should have that, like the, the, bonus. the underwear inspector. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> inspector's Packed by Ledoff. Like by boom. Charlie. Your weenies have been handled by Ledoff. <laughs> don't encourage him, Mark. Please. I think it's a great idea. It encourages people to buy it. You don't know what you're going to get. Not with the underwear inspection. <laughs> well, or not that note. <laughs> and And remember, uh, listen, um, tis the season. You're looking at your finances. You, you wanna, you're going to spend money for Christmas. You want to be a be able to afford things in the early in the early months of next year the mm-hmm. winter right you you know what heating oil is doing Ugh. there's money to be found in your house you can refi it bring your note down you can bring it down you can save up to two payments a year because rates are really low where do you go you go where mark fellower went call hall first yep david I hall mortgage 866 call hall or go to callhallfirst.com you get five-star service. Yeah. Uh, thousands I, of people say it. I mean, we, we kind of joke about it, but I keep expecting rates to go up, and they just haven't. So if you haven't done it, do it. Call but, them. But they're going to. If it, Eventually. But, I would have thought they would by now, but they haven't. Up. Are they national or just regional? Um, it's a great. There's only one way to find out. Callhallfirst.com. Really a great question. Do you like how I deflected that to not knowing the answer? Karen, she's she's grilling us on the on the, on the advertisers. Oh my god! I didn't, I didn't I, do the I, have a, I have a personal interest. I'm I'm looking at something out of state. Oh, so one I'm of asking. her vacation homes. One of them. There you go. One up. <laughs> Sorry, David. I am some bullshit news, bro. <laughs> and remember, like you need to get it done right on time and on budget. You call ADR. Right. It's pretty simple. They're the ones who you call when you need to get it done on time cut the red tape don't bother yourself with dealing with contractors subcontractors you, you know remember remember the floods yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> and nobody can get hot water tanks yeah the landlords that use adr could get their hot water tanks and get them installed on budget and on time that's right and ethical yeah. and smart you call barry ellentuck for a free consultation 248-318-9424 one more time 248-318-9424 mm-hmm. right mm-hmm all right, and hit me with this. I want you all to listen to the words of this. When it comes to security and investment, there's only one That's Royal Alliance and Associate Incorporated. That's right. They specialize in security. That's what they do. <laughs> that's what they do. God damn, that's good. Particularly Luke. Now, that's a disclaimer, right? That's Luke Nowacki, right? He is your financial specialist at 248-663-4748. Grow your assets. Grow them. Now, the reason I wanted you listening to disclaimers because I was having a drink with Luke yeah. last night. Mm-hmm. This is him talking to me. 
Okay, disclaimer, remember, this isn't his advice to you. I mean, I said, Luke, man, the market's up and down like a washwoman's ass on Monday. What do I do? You know what he said? Buy the dip. He said, ride the washwoman. <laughs> oh, Charlie. That's what he said. Overreaction is drinks? not a strategy, right? Ride it out. Don't panic. That's the general advice he gave yes. to me because he knows how I look at life, which is not how, because I'm not a very rich man. Very rich people look at the world another way. They do it their way. So that's the personalized service. You get a drink with your financial guy, and he's kind of funny. He's a great guy. Yeah. Very charitable, Charlie, too. I'll tell you this. I've heard from some folks in the know that it's not just the supply chain, that we that we are looking at a compromised economy on the horizon. So we better plan for it. Oh, man. Uh, okay. Uh, and we'll be on that, you know, because we, you know, Ralph, we don't just have criminologists, right, in, in child right. welfare specialists. Right. We have Nobel laureate economists. It's a hip show. And at that charity event last night, it was great to see y'all. Yes, and I know we don't agree on everything, but I'm glad you're listening. Hello, Winston Churchill wrestling team of 1981. <laughs> my brothers, my brother, great to see you. It was great to see Ann Arbor. It was great to see Pontiac. It was great to see Detroit City. So, well, what did I miss, Charlie? What what fundraiser? Why did everybody else know about it? I didn't know. Go ahead, Mark. Killercares.org. Uh, Tom Kowalski, the longtime sports oh, yeah. writer, passed away 10 years ago, and a group, great group of people kept his uh, fund going, and they throw a party every Christmas to raise money for children's charities. Um, so, yeah, I mean. Give the, the website kill, again. Killercares.org. Killercares.org. And it was cool. It had Braylon Edwards pouring yeah, drinks. And, yeah. And Wojo. And you know. yeah, Mickey Redman. Yeah, no. Yeah. And McCarty was out there. Yeah. TJ Lang. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Very yeah. cool. Drew Lane. For a while. How yeah. did he get home? Charlie Ledoux. <laughs> he had a car. <laughs> he, had a, he had a car. Oh, no, it was great. I walked in, right? And the, and the whole bar starts going, no bullshit. No bullshit. I was like, oh, he's fucking listening. They're listening. <laughs> That's nice. That's good. That's great. Now go blue. Go, you know what? By the way, I'm all right with it. Like if, if Michigan, I'd like Michigan to win the Big Ten Championship tomorrow night. If they don't, I've told you all along, right? It's a game. It's a game. The athletic department does not run the university. The mission of the university is chiseled in stone. Arts, knowledge, truth. 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 Young people become leaders. The leaders become the old and wise. That's where it's supposed to be incubated. So, the day before the Ohio State game, I went back in my flaming yellow douchebag Michigan football cheerleader sweater. Still fits. I thought it looked great. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so did John Vaughn. <laughs> yes. John Vaughn, one of the greatest tailbacks to ever great carry the ball. Back. Yes, he was. Yeah, right? Sure was. Um, is leading a protest. He goes as a young man and he gets sexually abused his whole career there. It happened to a thousand at least. It happened at Michigan State. It happened at Ohio State. And they're all connected. Yeah. We want the truth. We want an apology. And we, we love, like John, we love sports. Yeah. But we want them in their proper place. So anyway, I promised you a couple weeks ago, I promised John, I'm going to come out and see you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to even stay tonight. You were out there bright and early. 
right? Actually, before it was even bright. So this is once you leave high school, do the elders do their work to look out for the young? If we're not going to do that, we're not a society. Please listen close. Listen to John. It's a pretty good story. I am not John Doe. I am John Vaughn. I think that says it all. John Vaughn. Here's Vaughn. Touchdown, Michigan. Very good speed by Vaughn. You know, that guy won the 100-meter Junior Olympics. Like, you could call my name when I played here, but you can't talk. call my name now. Good to see you, brother. You, you actually are living here. Michigan football legend John Vaughn was repeatedly abused and molested by university doctor Robert Anderson some 30 years ago. But he wasn't the only victim, not by a long shot. There's not a light on in that house. Uh, yeah, I don't think they're there. So two months ago, Vaughn said he'd camp in front of the university president's home for as long as it takes to get an apology. John didn't mean it. Not really. Not this long. The weather's so cold now. How long have you been here? What's today, Friday? 49 days at 7 o'clock. So this started, you want to talk to him, right outside his door. What do you want? Justice. They know. Like who, how many, who was told. Where our sperm samples are, all that kind of stuff. What do you mean sperm samples? Yeah, they've been collecting sperm from the early 70s. And he had a, Dr. Anderson had a partnership with a sperm clinic. Well, a fertility clinic, where his private practice was. Is that that guy's manually collecting sperm? From athletes? Athletes, yeah. He wouldn't say take his cup and, and go into the room there. He would milk the cow, so to speak. Said he was doing these studies, checking sperm count from your freshman year to your senior year. He did that shit to you? Yep. He would make sure that he was the one that finished so in his words, that the sample would be collected uh, the right way. It was humiliating. Believe me, I was there. Fingers up your ass, the fondling of your genitals for no reason. Guys like John got it worse. We young men whispered about Doc A to each other, but the old men who were supposed to protect us kept quiet. And now we're the old men, and we won't keep quiet. They will hear our voices for change. And John is back on campus, leading again. I will not be John Doe. I am John Vaughn. I bet you I can outrun you now. Yeah, because I'm not, I don't race anymore. Get a little old, feeling it. 
a little bit more than most. But with age comes wisdom. That is the fact. Wisdom and patience. It ain't easy to talk about. But hey, young man, I already been there. Like, we don't gotta fucking take this. Well, and you gotta show people like to stand up, you know? Yeah, I mean. Wish I would have done it earlier. You know, just statistics in general say that one in six men are abused and they don't report to like 52. It's cold and quiet in Ann Arbor this morning, the calm before the mayhem, the big game with Ohio State tomorrow. Vaughn, a solitary figure in his maize and blue sweats, wanders the streets looking for a coffee shop and some warmth and a toilet. Larry Nasser did his student training here in 85, football department. Larry Nasser had the same, because I know some Nasser victims, same, it's almost like Anderson mentored him, because he had the same basement. He set his house up the exact same way, with the basement, um, exam room and all. Because Nasser was doing free exams to all the high schools here in Ann Arbor. Paul Schmidt, who's the assistant athletic director, did his residency under Strauss at Ohio State. So they're all connected. So there's like this syndicate of abuse between Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. These cases aren't one-off, right? Like they go on for decades, 50 years they have had people in positions of power have abused that power and basically sexually assaulted and raped people. Think about like the Board of Regents, the Board of Trustees at Ohio State, Michigan State. Because these fuckers have never had a fight. Right? They've never had to fight. That's all I've fucking done my whole life is fight. And now we're talking about People that have, they either pay you to go away or they use money to solve their problems. They've never been in a fight. I mean, and that's the thing. I think that's different, not, you know, because I respect and I love and I've got a bunch of master victims that I've gotten to know and respect. But we're fucking wrestlers and football players, hockey players, we're fucking crazy. And you think that we're going to be intimidated by you suits? Oh, well, fuck it, let's fight. Oh, yeah, let's go to deposition. Like, yeah, whatever. There's nothing you can do to me that was harder than what I faced down at Shinbeck in the hall. Arts, knowledge, truth. It's chiseled into the stone edifices here. Thousands of us were victimized. The great public institutions of knowledge turned over to a syndicate of perverts. But we're men now, and we're not afraid of the University of Michigan anymore, or its lawyers, or its boosters, or the shame buried a long time ago. Truth. Speak it, Mr. President. 
come out of your mansion and speak the truth to John Vaughn. He's right outside your door. So on these legal papers, they don't refer to you as John Vaughn, huh? No, it's John Doe. Matter of fact, I'm John Doe 32. What was your number when you played it? 25. Couldn't at least make it John Doe 25. Oh, well, that's because I was the 32nd um, plaintiff. They won't even call you by your name? No. Say his name, John Vaughn. for John Vaughn. One of the greatest running backs to ever carry the football for one of the greatest universities in the world. He's earned that much. John Vaughn never lost to Ohio State. Vaughn still loves the maize and blue, but he won't be at the big game this weekend. He's got more important things to do. He'll be at his trailer in quiet protest. Some things are bigger than sports. Things like the truth. So we continue to fail our children at every age. I mean, we do. Institutions, organizations, adults, that's just the next chapter of failure. You know, the irony, Karen, um, this is my story at Cast Tech High School. Uh, I remember you sharing that, Shared it publicly, and uh, I would love to meet John Vaughn uh, to, you know, just affirm uh, to him and then to men in general, um, because there's so many stigmas that come with uh, being molested and raped uh, as a man that there's a reluctance to talk about it. But the psychological trauma uh, that you're left with, um, you know, it may be evidence in some behaviors that uh, publicly are shameful. Uh, but if you don't know somebody's backstory and their trauma uh, and you know, just to have the courage that he has to sit out there and to bring uh, continued uh, scrutiny to the university. Um, we got so far to go in this. And Karen, you're right. You know, we're, we're failing our children on, on, on several levels. We are, but we're also failing them by, as you indicated, Ralph, I, I mean, I remember when you came to me before you went public with that. Yes. Do you remember our conversation? I, I sure do. But we, hey, we were failing because we don't want to admit our imperfection. Yep. People get scrutinized if they've had a downfall or been, you know, uh, victimized. Right. And because of that, we don't talk about it. And then we perpetuate it yes. because if you don't address it. Then you pass it on to the next generation. And it just continues to exist and manifest in ways that we say we claim we don't want to see. Hey Ralph, I mean, we're, we're we're effed up around here. Yeah, we are. I mean, we are. We are. Ralph, yes, sir. This happened to you? Yeah, I was I was quarterback at Cass Tech at school. Yep, high school. Uh, my football coach, my head football coach, uh, Donald Fears. Fuck. Uh, and you know, I was yeah. I was uh, high school. I was sixteen at the time. Uh, clocked at four three into forty, uh, being recruited all over the country, and. My life just went to hell in a handbasket my senior year. Nobody knew why. I went from a 4.0 student to barely graduating. Uh, multiple fights my senior year in high school. Um, slept with every woman I could because 
you know, when that happens to a young man, you, you, you're not ready for something like that, you know? So, you know, nobody knew what happened to me, but I had to prove to myself my own sexuality, which was never in question. But when a pervert, you know, a sick individual, you know, leverages you. Did he ever do time? This is no, no. They exactly. moved. They moved him to another school. Yeah, well, let's, let's look exactly. Okay. Um, they shifted the problem. I know um, we're getting heavy, folks. Yeah. Sorry, but like I didn't know it was going to be. No, I mean uh, Charlie. Dude, we didn't uh, talk dude, about this. Well, you, you, dude, I didn't. Yeah. T- I, none of us talked about. It. You laugh it away and shit. Yeah. You know, that's reality, though, Charlie. This is what people need to hear. They have it's to. reality. If Ralph School. and you and School. Mr. Vaughn are willing to share your truths for the benefit of, of, of the greater good, then we respect it enough to listen to it and support you in that in School. that disclosure. School, the place it's that you go to, to protect be you safe. Yes. It was always that was, you know, I you, you guys know my growing up. It was mayhem. Yeah. School was safe. It's the place to be safe. Okay. And thanks for doing that story, Charlie. I, I, I just can't tell I you. I love doing it. It was great. Not your fault. He's a great guy. How long did it take you to realize it's not your fault? <laughs> it happened when I was 16. I realized it at 45, 46 when I first Jesus, started man. getting counseling. And Mark, that was after my life imploded, you know, sure. publicly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, people didn't know the backstory. Yep. Sorry about that. Uh, Charlie, you know, hey, you know, there's a little levity. Hey, you know, I mean, I can I can look back at it now, you know, um, but it's it's a journey. Um, And those were the very words that I were I was finally able to utter through four, three or four years into uh, therapy. Wow. So just just like the mother that sent you the note in Oxford. This is unexpected. Stop blaming yourself. It's not your fault. Let me do this now. Let me me bring this. The solution. Solution. Thank you all for listening to that. It means something to us. Thank you. We went from the exurban high school, mm-hmm. the, the, the mammoth high school, to the Ivy League walls of the university. Let's go into the inner city where the elementary school children live under duress. Yeah. You remember we brought you the story of Little Pulaski Elementary and Middle School, surrounded by blight. It's tucked in a neighborhood and there's 13 abandoned buildings, needles, dead rodents, 400 school kids, our children, collectively our children. Those buildings are owned by the city. We demand they be taken down. Eh, right, Karen? Ralph, yes, absolutely. those things warp young minds and they're really unsafe. What are we doing as adults with the hundreds of millions of dollars the federal government sends and we promise that's our first priority? Fighting. Fighting we're about putting it. Up speed, yeah. We're putting up speed bumps. Stealing. Yeah, all of, stealing the, all of the above. Yeah. Dumb shit. Skyscrapers. Yeah. Bike lanes. Yeah. Okay. Well, do we have a photo? There's the first one to go down, ladies and gentlemen. We got one coming down. The next one is scheduled to come down soon. The sign's up. I don't know when. So everybody that was involved, from the people in City Hall to you out there, to the parents, to the school administrators and teachers, to Mark, to Byron, to Karen, anybody that cares. You. Thank you. (laughs) It's small, but it's tangible. Yeah. It matters to it's somebody. Charlie. It's, it's significant. 
And a child's environment shapes their perspective of their world and of themselves. Yes. We can't trivialize the impact that this is going to have on them. We all want our baby safe, right, Karen? I mean, not only like you're saying mentally, what yes. what that communicates to you about yourself. Yep. Absolutely. But the danger, like the 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 pit bulls that live in right. there, and, exactly. Right, and the and, junkies, and, the rodents. The, and mean. our kids are not just the ones that we give birth to our kids are every kid that we encounter i treat every i mean i even run to adults that i knew as kids they're still kids to me and i'm going to treat them as such Absolutely. i'm going to support them i'm going to love them i'm going to counsel them i'm going to let them know that somebody is there for them that's my responsibility as an adult and environment matters you know what what you're exposed to has a great deal to do with what you can see yourself being and if you never see anything beyond this concrete jungle with, you know, dilapidated homes, grass taller than the kids walking by it, rodents, if that's all a child ever sees, then what is their aspiration? And now they see progress. And now they see progress. Even, so no matter how small it might be in some people's well, minds. Well, I know the greatest thing that I, I went to just go take a picture, right? Yeah. And I, and I, I park. I got to go get my kid. Because I don't want to be late after what happened in sure, Oxford, right? right? Sure. And I park where the buses pull up. And before we went out there and filmed, there was an announcement. There's media outside. Do not speak to the media, <laughs> right? Yeah. This time it's like, oh, Mr. LaDuff, you got to move the car, honey, because the bus is coming. And I'm like, awesome. Because we can, if good. we want to, yes. together yeah. keep pushing. What's the answer? Don't take it lying down. Absolutely. Fix the shit. That's all we're asking. That, we ain't asking much. It's not asking much at all. It really isn't. You know that you can fix it, Charlie. That's the thing. You know, I, I did an interview earlier uh, with Cranes, and, and they were talking. I said, you know, people Ooh, feel like they are, everybody's they doing interviews. Now. I haven't done an interview with anyone. Would you tell oh, Cranes? But I'm oh, saying Mark, that people Charlie have gotten so apathetic. They have to recognize that as a voter, as a resident, just as a member of the human race, you do have power. You do have influence. You don't need validation. What you need is a vision and a commitment and a an ounce of relentlessness to make it happen. This does the lions bum you out, make you mad? Why is it you know more about the backup left tackle for the loser Detroit Lions than you do about your own community? Right? This, you know, how many quarterback pressures he got? Right. What's the budget for the police in your town? Exactly. Right? Well, it's exciting too because they're characters, yes. right? It's a it's a game within a game and it's for keeps. Yes. Get involved with it. It's actually really interesting. And you can see the payoff. I mean, yeah. you can see the payoff, and that's the important thing. Do it for the baby. Well, you're not talking about the lions, then. Oh, not no. at all. Cheap, cheap shot. I <laughs> hate the lions. Gosh, Jeez. sell the team. I mean, it, it, it's a matter of paying attention sell to something team. that has an impact on your quality of life, and not just yours, but those who live around you. I mean, just start investing your time and energy in something that's going to make a difference. That's entertainment. I mean, it's failed entertainment, but it's entertainment. You don't have a contract. Mm -hmm. You don't have a relative on there. You aren't benefiting unless you're betting. So, you know, put your energy and effort in something that's going to make a real difference. And that's our program. <laughs> good luck tomorrow, gentlemen. Go blue and good luck on your final exams. That's what really matters. <laughs> Thank you, Ralph Gabby. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate it. Good to see you, Karen. You too, Charlie. Mark, Thank you go you home and hug your babies. I will. Absolutely. All right. We'll see y'all. Peace. <laughs>